Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer, so learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Tim Filston will share a message titled Cause for Pause as a part of our Unhurried sermon series. The scripture passage for today is Luke 8, 40 through 50, which will help us answer the question, what makes rest so productive? Einstein said, the only reason for time is so that everything doesn't happen at once. Some days it feels like everything is. For all our time-saving devices, we have only managed to quicken our pace. One culprit is the smartphone. The smartphone casts the illusion omnipresence, that constant contact and accessibility are possible and helpful. But now and then the real truth breaks through. Multitasking is the fine art of messing several things up at the same time. Today, let us consider how a pause in your day can help you find the time for what matters most. Well, how'd you sleep last night? Did you get a good night's sleep? Raise your hand. No, don't actually raise your hand. I know you don't like to do this. I don't either. But in your mind, okay, participate with me. Raise your hand if you could use a little bit more sleep. A little bit more, maybe an hour or more sleep. All right, see, I can hear some, like, fun. I've got one word for you. Netflix. Netflix. See, there, I solved your problem. Right there, you want more sleep? The problem is Netflix. You know, I... There's a, there's a term in business uh, or a, a little phrase in business. It goes something like this. Your system is perfectly designed to get your current results, right? So if you've got a, if you're building cars and, uh, and every 150th car is missing the back right uh, fender, then your system is perfectly designed to get that result, right? Let me ask you another question. Do you have enough joy in your life? Could you use a little bit more joy? What about meaning? Do you have enough meaning and purpose in your life? Well, maybe you can't solve it as quickly as just sort of going to bed earlier, right? Turning off Netflix and making sure that you're in bed by 10 o'clock is not a sure way of increasing joy and meaning in your life, but there is a system that is bringing your current level of joy and meaning in your life. And it's called your rhythm, the rhythm of life. Affects your joy and your meaning. And what do I mean by rhythm? Well, what I mean is how you're, how you're, li- you're living and, and giving of your time and your trust your key relationships, your treasure, your temple, and your talent. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about time and trust and treasure and temple and talent in terms of how your values stack up, all right? So maybe you say, well, what are values? I'll just kind of find the main um, volume there and just turn it down. Everybody's sort of showing me your hands, which means... I don't know how to do that, but maybe just find the 
volume and just turn it down a little bit because I'm hearing and I think I'm seeing in your faces you're hearing that feedback, aren't you? Okay, well, we're going to fix that. Maybe. So the way that, that, that you live time and talent and trust and treasure and, and temple, the way that you live them in terms of, of how your values stack up. Now, th- th- this is, let me give you a little image here of what I'm talking about. So every one of us has two stacks of values, right? There's this stack of values here that uh, if you had a, uh, just imagine some pieces of paper here and all of your values are in rank order, right? The most important thing that's most Im- Im- valuable to you in your life is at the top of the stack, right? And you say, you know, I value uh, I value my relationship with God. I value my relationship with my family. I value uh, spiritual growth. I value influence. I value growing in my I- I- intellect and, and, and in my emotional life and my ability to relate to God. I value those things. I, I value solving problems in Thomasville. Okay. All right. That's great. On paper, that sounds really good. Now, over here is your other stack. And this stack right here, this stack of values, is what is actually reflected in your calendar and in your checkbook and in your time and your trust and your treasure and your temple and your talents. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the way the course of life is meted out, uh, your rhythm in terms of, of, of these five different T's so that you have the equipment, you're equipped to look at the rhythm of your life to see whether or not the things you, you really do value, I mean, you aspire to these values, you aspire to have these priorities in your life, but to be able to examine in an effective way with the right categories, the right language, with the right biblical background, how you're really living them. First today, we're, we're going to look at time. But we're looking at time in terms of the cause for pause. What are you doing here today? You're pausing. It's not the end of the week where you're sort of catching up and recharging your batteries for the new week. No, this is the beginning of the week. This is the Sabbath day. This is, this is to begin the week trusting God. It's to set aside time to pause. What we're going to look at today is why is the pause so vital to the Christian life? From the Word of God, Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 40. Would you follow along in the Pew Bible there or in your own Bible? In 2020, I encourage you, uh, if you don't have a personal Bible, a Bible that you're opening up every day and making notes in the margins, you know, Get one of those Bibles. I encourage you to get either an NIV or preferably an ESV, an English Standard Version, and to be able to read that Bible on Sundays when we're and make notes even as you go. Hear God's word this morning from Luke 8, starting with verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. 
As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And all denied it. Peter said, Master, the crowds are surrounding you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. May God bless us this morning through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless us through this word, not only to our minds to understand, but to our hearts to believe that through our lives we may live. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard about this woman who uh, wanted to get homeowner's insurance. And so she called an insurance company and said, will you insure my house? And he said, well, I need to come look at it first. And she said, well, you better hurry because it's on fire. (laughs) There is a time for hurry. There's a time for hurry. And I I want you to think about the fact that I know that's kind of a crazy way to start a sermon, but, but that is you and me. That's our lifestyle. I mean, a month ago when I was sitting there with my iPad up and I had my phone in my left hand and I was eating something and I was sort of making notes about about, uh, this series called The Unhurried Life and I was eating as fast as I could because I had this this meeting that I was late for and I just was trying to get something down. I was trying to bolt out the door. I thought, who am I to talk about this? (laughs) Well, I need this series. Do you need this series? I need this series. Somebody asked Dallas Willard, how do you grow closer to God? How do you grow in a sense of joy, greater joy and peace and meaning and purpose? How do you grow closer to God? And in that context, he said this, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. That's his answer. Dallas Willard is is really one of the greats. He was the chair of the philosophy department at the University of Southern California and has has influenced a generation of pastors and of of teachers. I, I can see his fingerprints over half of the books I bought last year. He has helped people understand how to grow in the Christian life unlike, I mean, just more than almost anybody you can name. And his prescription for growing in Christ is ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And so today, 
As, as we uh, live in this day and age, when we're constantly on this adrenaline cycle or cortisol cycle, and we don't have normal levels of serotonin, and we have, and you don't understand what I'm saying perhaps, but we are medicating ourselves so that we can calm down, and we're in a place, in not a very good place. Let's consider what the point of pausing is, the ritual of pausing and what our expectation should be when we pause. Pause in the morning for devotion, for prayer. Pause at the beginning of the week. Pause at certain times of the day that you can program in, like a season of life when somebody has asked you to pray for them and you're just gonna stop and pray for them. What, <coughs> what is the point and purpose and power in the pause? Let's look at the point and the ritual and the expectation. First, the point of the pause is to connect, not check. Not to check the box. Now, I, I like checking boxes, and I know many of you, I can see you, I know you, I've, been, I've, I've known you long enough that I know many of you are box checkers. You like to get things done. You like to just sort of check that box and it's done, right? I've got a little uh, app on my, um, my computer called Things, and it's very satisfying when, uh, when I've got my stack of things that I'm supposed to do, and I put a little check in that box and it just sort of melts away. It's kind of sort of programmed. It's like, and, and talk about, you know, sort of hit a dopamine there. It's like, ah, oh, that's nice, that went away. But the point of the pause is not just to check the box. It's not to check, it's to connect. It's, in other words, it's quality time. Pausing at the beginning of the week, pausing at the beginning of the day, pausing in a way that puts you in a, a posture of trust, that puts you in a position to be able to connect with God. Not just check the box ritualistically, quality time. It, it reminds me of this, uh, this DTR. We used to say, call it DTR. When you had, when you're dating somebody when you're in college or out of college, we had what was called the DTR, the, the talk. DTR talk. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? You ever heard this? DTR talk? Determine the relationship talk, all right? So you've been dating this person for a while, and it's like, all right, now what, where is this thing going? And oh gosh, you know, especially for, for men who, who, you know, stereotypically have trouble making commitments. It's like, we've been dating for a while. All right, we've got to have this talk. She wants to sit down and talk. I guess it's a DTR talk. Determine the relationship, right? It's a pause to connect. It's a pause to say, okay, now what are we? Where are we going? What is this thing right now? Are we just dating each other? Are we, you know, is this, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of an intimidating thing when you think of it, of it that way. But, but if you're married or if you, if, if you have children or think of any relationship or business relationships in your life, periodically we need to pause to determine the relationship. How are things going? You know, when you're off just a degree, when you're traveling from New York to, uh, to San Francisco, if you're off by just a degree, 360 degrees, right? Just one little degree, you can end up in Southern California rather than Northern California. One degree, stretched out. You know, I remember when I was in high school, seeing this principle, just a small wedge in, in a marriage, a small wedge. I noticed that, that the further we got into high school, the more that, that some of my friends' parents were just calling it quits. And it wasn't now, looking back on that, I know now just having been in ministry as long as I have, I know that this, this didn't happen overnight. 
It happened from a small wedge over a very, very long period of time because there wasn't time taken to determine the relationship. Now, what am I talking about in terms of this passage? This woman had a problem. It's kind of an awkward problem for us to be talking about in polite company, but it's, a, it's, a, it's just a human problem. It's a physical problem that she had. And as a result, in that culture, you know, in a culture before antibiotics, before they even understood everything that was going on, they're very cautious about blood. And so here's a woman who was unclean, and this was a big deal for her. She wasn't able to be in the temple, uh, and, and, and she wasn't able to be uh, present with people like Jesus, like a rabbi like Jesus. But God was using this difficulty in her life to cause her to pause regularly, to check in with God. It's clear that she knew God and that, that God knew her. Because Jesus says this, this one thing to her. He says, he says, your faith, your faith, daughter, your faith has healed you. Here she is, she's looking, maybe, uh, maybe he's got a special connection because he's a rabbi and she's going to reach out and maybe he, can, you know, but maybe he can help because he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a healer, but, 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 it, but it's more than that. He turns and recognizes her and also calls her out in front of everybody to say, this woman, on the basis of her faith, is no longer unclean. She's healed. Why? Because she recognized, she determined the relationship. She connected with God and over a, a, the course of her life had been connecting with God. And on the basis of that faith connection, she was able to look at her difficulty and in the way that Tolkien puts it, he says this, Tolkien says, are not God's punishments also gifts? You have something in your life that that's driving you in every different direction. It says here in the scriptures that, that she had spent her life savings on physicians trying to get healed. She was spent. Is there some difficulty in your life that needs to drive you, that maybe is purposed to drive you to connect with God, to determine the relationship of your dependency on Him? That's the point of the pause. Second, the ritual. Ritual of the pause is the opposite of what I was just talking about a minute ago. Not quality time, but quantity time. If you want quality time with any person in your life, any relationship, you're going to have to have some quantity time. If you want quality time, you need to have quantity time as well. A lot of times we think of ritual as something cold, something just formal. And it can be. You know, I quoted Yaroslav Pelagin some years ago. Uh, you know, we've got to take care that our tradition doesn't become traditionalism. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And so when we're saying the Apostles' Creed, we need to recognize that, that there is something that needs to be heartfelt about that. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we stop saying the Apostles' Creed out of a sense of habit because that quantity time, that structured time, that ritual, that pattern of life, in that pattern, 
can come greater quality. You know, think of it this way. Think of it, some of you who are parents or grandparents or young parents or, or babysitters or whatever, you, you know that there's a routine that gets kids into bed. It's pretty important, right? You kind of go through that thing. You kind of coax them along. It's like, oh, yeah, let's get our, let's get our, uh, our, our bath now. Let's get our jammies on. Let's, uh, and there's this promise, this carrot out there of story time, and then they end up in bed. So it's not a big argument. Ritual is really important. And, you know, of course, nothing ever valuable happens in terms of relationships in the middle of all that, right? Nothing happens in the middle of putting a kid to bed. It's just all just sort of grind it out. Kid, get it done. You know, let's get in bed. You know, it's always, that's what ritual is, right? No. You recognize that in the course of this, this, diur- this diurnal course, this um, quotidian course, right? I just had to use that word once, quotidian, daily course, these rituals, in the quantity of ritual emerges quality. Yeah, you have a date night. You think, well, date night, of course, if you have a regular date night, you know, of course you're not going to have any quality time there just because it's on the calendar, you know. I mean, that's the way, that's the way some people think of, of worship. It's like, well, you know, we're just in here because it's Sunday. And I understand that. There's a certain checking of the box But don't discount, don't discount that when you intentionally set aside time for God in the morning, it can feel like checking the box every now and then. But in creating that daily rhythm, quality time can emerge. You see it here. This woman is reaching out to touch the hem of the garment of a rabbi. And you and I know this isn't just any rabbi, but, but here she is just thinking if she can just touch this, what's called the talent, this hem this, that hangs down. In, in Leviticus, it talks about uh, these, these, little, uh, these, these little dripping pieces of, of cloth that, that come off the, the fringe of, of a prayer shawl to remind people to pray. Not just to say, okay, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer in the morning and we're done, but, but to be circumscribed by prayer, to recognize that throughout the course of the day, there's something valuable about checking in. I remember I used to pray for my children when I was pumping gas. I, was just, I just decided, okay, when I'm pumping gas, I'm just going to remember to pray for my kids. And then I got out one time, and, and this is increasingly the case too. You get out, and there's a screen there, and it's talking to you. Have you seen this thing? The screen is talking to you. It's like, how do they know I'm even here? And it's... He's like very personable. It's very distracting. But to be able to say, okay, in those moments that are just sort of mundane, those regular moments, to, to inject those moments with something, this woman clearly understood the benefits of ritualistic prayer, that she had developed her own personal relationship with God recognizing and, and respecting the ritual in the midst of it. And so uh, ritual is to create some quantity so that the quality may develop. And finally this, what are the expectations of the pause? If you're pausing for prayer, pausing for God, pausing for time alone with God, what should be our expectations? And, and here I want to show some contrast between Jairus and this woman. 
It's no accident that, that this encounter with this woman is when Jesus is en route to Jairus' house. See, in, in looking at this contrast, I think what we're gonna see is that our expectations should not be just to receive, but to invest, to invest, to make deposits. Jairus was the head of the, the temple. He was there all the time. Now think of that, that ritual. I mean, if you're the head of the temple, I mean, that is a daily job. He is constantly there. Now, what kind of a line, uh, uh, what kind of a special line on God must he have, right? I mean, here she's reaching out to this rabbi, but Jairus? I mean, this, this traveling itinerant uh, pastor, I mean, you know, he's got a good reputation. He's been healing people, but, but Jairus, I mean, he was the head of the temple. He's always in the temple. Always about the Lord's work. But you see the contrast. Here's a guy who's always present in body, but perhaps not in spirit. See, someone from his household, someone from his household, under his leadership, under the, 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 the way that, that Jairus has been living his life, comes and says, look, your daughter has died, and so there's nothing else to do. Just leave the rabbi alone. Leave Jesus alone. The suggestion here is that Jairus and that whole family already knew what God needed to do for them, period. We've already decided what we should expect from God. We've decided what we need ahead of time, and this is it. And if we can't get that, then forget it. Pitch it. And you know, there are so many people around us, and sometimes it's you, sometimes it's me. We have our expectations set so much. We know exactly what God's supposed to do. And if we don't get that, we become disillusioned in our faith. And we think we're just not turning the right knobs. No. See, we need to be making investments. We don't know what the hand of God is doing. The scriptures say, ask and it, you, it will be given to you, but the scriptures also say that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And so the providence of God needs to be held in the tension of this mystery. We can't decide ahead of time. We know what's best for us, God. And if you don't give us this, then forget you. But see, that's where we often find ourselves. Why? Because we're not often enough making real deposits. We come to worship, we come to the scriptures, we come to prayer time so often to receive and not to invest. And we need to invest, invest, invest. What is the rhythm of your life? For a lot of people, the rhythm of life is dictated by the the pace around us, many, much, and more. That's the drumbeat of their life. Many, much, more, many, much more, many, much more, many, much more. And life just speeds up and you think you've got this time-saving device called a smartphone and now I'm gonna have all kinds of time, right? Because I've, I've got, no, because many, much more is dictating too much the rhythm of your life. Where are the investments in worship? Where is your investment in prayer? So that when you get to the place where you really do need to make a withdrawal, there's something there. It's not to earn God's blessings. 
It's not to say, God, I've done all these things. That's what Jairus was doing. Jairus was in that position. He's like, I'm always in the temple. I'm always doing these things. I'm always in the, this, this, uh, this ritualistic and religious pattern. And so you owe me, God. And that's often where we find ourselves. But no, investing in the relationship so that when it comes to the moment when we really need to reach out to God and know what it is that we really need, we will hear the voice of our shepherd and he will say, daughter, son, your faith, your faith is guiding you. Like any relationship, we need to make this deposits. You know, if I'm, if I'm doing the dishes, if I'm, if I'm making sure that, you know, I'm picking up my socks and I'm just trying to give you some concrete examples of what it looks like in an everyday course to do things that invest in the life of somebody else or at least doesn't draw down on that other person that you're living with or your business partner. I mean, how are you investing in that person? How are you investing in your children, uh, the important people in your life? Are you making regular deposits in the same way? We need to have a pattern of life, a rhythm of life that helps us with our expectations to make those investments. And so what I want to tell you, this is something practical as we close. And that is, you need to get your own Bible. You need to be writing in it, scribbling in it, underlining things, circling things, highlighting things, making notes, owning this thing. Make it your own. You need, a, you need to get a dynamic equivalent. Not, 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 this para, not a paraphrase way over here that has all this sort of Flowery language, that's valuable too, but not a paraphrase. And on the other hand, not a King James or not a NASB, New, New American Standard uh, version of the Bible. That's very wooden in its translation. You need to have a Bible that's a dynamic equivalent where a whole committee of people, scholars, have come together and said, look, this is what it means, and this is how we hear it in modern language for what it means. And, and you need to have regular devotions. And so what you see in your, in your bulletin is just a real simple approach to developing that devotional life if you don't have one. And, and you can see these five or six P's, these five P's here that are laid out for you. Um, it looks like we have some typos again. Gremlins! We have gremlins in the church, y'all. We're going to reprint this for next week. I'm just not going to be able to be happy. But this will give you a guide. And then you can see on the back of this insert, uh, you can see... Uh, an application called version that can give you all kinds of reading plans. And then I'm, I'm going to make one more suggestion. And I brought this little journal. This is just a journal I'm taking notes in right now. Um, i got a bunch of these. I just stack them up. Someone said, we read too much and reflect too little. So these two things need to go together. You need to have something where... Maybe you're reading through the Psalms over the next month. That's what I'm doing. I'm just reading through the Psalms this month. And then you need to just open up a page and write the date down and just take three, three to five minutes and write down some thoughts that come from having read that passage of Scripture. Read, reflect, and pray. This is how, in closing... This is what our expectation should be from that kind of investment. And this is from a, uh, a version of the scriptures called The Message, Eugene Peterson's translation. He says this, are you tired? 
worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the model and the message, the model of your walking among us in grace and truth, and the message that has been left with us, the message of Scripture. This year, may we hear your voice through it, the voice of our Good Shepherd, increasingly so. In Jesus' name, amen.